with 24 hours a day. Organize your day. Work hard. I'm here to talk about success. Are we recording? We're recording. We've we are recording. Rec- we've been recording. Okay, look, this is Electric Theory, and this is episode zero, zero one. I am thrilled. No excited. No, I am anxious, to be honest. But at the same time, I can't wait to share what's been on my mind for several years. And I have a great co-star, co-host, slash co-producer, Margot <laughs> to the right of me, who is going to not only assist, but chime in, as she say. And I can't wait to hear her thoughts throughout this journey. Again, this is episode 001. Thanks for tuning in. So let's get this show on the road. I didn't even introduce <laughs> myself. Yeah, let's I probably start should there. do that. Let's start there, okay? My name is Joshua J. Hunt, and I am the founder and CVO. For those who don't know what CVO is, it is Chief Vision Officer of Bolt Culture. Now, at Bolt Culture, what we do is we provide culture as a service. You're probably like, what, is that? what does that mean? Well, I mean, do we want to wait and get into that later in the podcast? Yeah, exactly. You're that's, just like- that's exactly that, that's exactly <laughs> what I was doing. I was like, hey, what does that mean? And okay. I'm going to let people ponder on it and then we'll get back to it. Okay, cool. Well, so let's take it away. I'm Margot, Margot Gill. I work in the sports industry more so in marketing and Maybe we'll do a separate episode on that whole thing, what I've got going on Maybe. later. Yes, we because for sure will. We want to know. This one is all about Joshua, Josh, Jay, whatever he's going by today. That's true. <laughs> or whatever's on your heart. Yeah. Where do we want to start with you? Do we want to go all the way back with your story from your upbringing? That's a great place Take to it start. step by step. Yeah. Let's talk and about my And how it child. all ties together into what you're doing now. Why not? Why not? I think that's a great place to start. Hit me okay. with a question, or do you want me to just... No, yeah, hit me with a question. Let's go. <laughs> not you taking over my hosting duties for the day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's go back to Lil J. Okay. Growing up in L.A. Okay. Talk about your upbringing. All right. So, yes, um, Lil J, growing up in L.A. I thought you were going to freestyle for a second, but... <laughs> yeah, so originally from California... Um, the reason I was there is because my dad was in the Marines. I mean, he was stationed out there. So that's where we were, you know, technically born in Laguna Hills. So when I tell people that, they're like, oh, Laguna. Then I'm like, ah, I wish, brother. But, uh, you know, that's just where I was born. Um, but, you know, growing up in inner city, you know, I had five brothers and I had one sister um, for the majority of the time growing up, I had about four brothers in about one room, and it was a very interesting upbringing. And I say interesting because I really didn't understand like how poor we were when I was like growing up. It was just kind of like this is everyday life. Like I jump off my bunk bed and right into my other brother's bed, <laughs> thinking that was normal. And uh, you know, it was really fun actually. You know, but. In this particular community, some call it the projects, you can call it the hood, um, whatever, whatever you call it. This is where, in hindsight, I just started to discover I wasn't able to fully express myself 
there wasn't much of a community. There wasn't a sense of belonging. You know what I mean? Like, unless you were into those particular activities. Activities is a good word. It's a good act- <laughs> you could say gang activities. <laughs> Shout out to Baby Keem. If you weren't into that, there wasn't really a sense of community. So, you know, I had like a, you know, I had a passion for, for, for sports. I had a passion for serving. Um, I had a passion for the, the community as well um, and wanting to just see, see people do better, um, see my people do better. And, um, yeah, I, I, you know, acted out what I was feeling back in my community, if you will, <laughs> where, where I grew up. And, uh, you know, in, in middle school, high school, kicked out a couple of times just for just doing, you know, acting out. And fighting. I, that was one thing I, I loved to do when I was younger was was to fight. And through all of that, the very same Salvation Army that I would go on the weekends to pick up food for my family granted us, me and my, a few of my brothers, a scholarship to go to this private school. And going to this private school, I believe that was this was where, you know, my mind and cognitive diversity started to really kick in because I started to see how different people that looked different from me thought and then where that led them. And, you know, I had a, I had a good friend growing up. His name was Trevor. And I'll never forget just kind of going to his house and seeing him like, wow, you have your own room? There's a pool? There's a pool in your backyard? <laughs> what the... I'm like, man, this is this is crazy because it was very new and foreign to me at that time. And that's what kind of allowed me to kind of step into uh, a different world um, and something I call cross-pollinization now because it it's one of the only ways that I feel like people who come from where I come from can get to the other side, if you will, of the tracks. It's like you have to network and be kind of cross-pollinated with these people for you to really see a different side. Because if you just have this one view of the world, I'm just pausing on my story for a second, because if you have (laughs) this one view of the world, it's really hard to really get out of that concept of what you think life is and what, you know, you you feel like it is. Um, So being able to step out of that and being able to experience and feel another side of the world, it, it was, it really did open my mind. And that applies to anybody from any background. Yes, exactly. From any back, exactly, yeah. exactly. Anybody to any background. And that's why it's important to be diverse because, um, or versatile, if you will. One of the things that I, I like is when people who come from these, you know, privileged backgrounds have an understanding of what it's like to be poor or what it's like to live in the hood or just have some type of relatability there, right? So um, we could talk a little bit about your background, but like, obviously, you know, there was, there are some differences between us, but there's a lot of relatability still. So we'll come back to that. Picking up on the story. So at this private school, right, I didn't really experience the inclusion, if you will, or the belonging or being able to express myself because the majority of these people looked different from me. They were white. And, you know, my teachers knew that I was there on scholarship and that's how I was treated. Right. I was treated like you're just an inner city kid who's here because Salvation Army pay for you to be here. And I didn't get the attention that I would need as a creative. Right. Like I clearly have, you know, ADD (laughs) with these teachers. (laughs) And like I was told, hey, you're going to like you're going to fail if you don't do this, this, this in life. So with that being said, 
I struggled a little bit there, but it was still like a really great learning experience. I can say that I learned a little bit more. I was blessed to just be able to, like I said, experience other different cultures um, and how they operated. But leaving this school and, and going to Duncanville, which is out here in Dallas, Texas, baby. Ooh. And we just won state. Ooh, let's go. We just won state <laughs> um, in football. Uh, leaving that school and going to going there, this was a very and very inclusive culture for me. Um, and what that did was cause me to thrive, right? So, you know, I had above 3.5 GPA. You know, I did really well. This was actually my first year playing 11-man football. My senior year had over 20-something offers. Everything really went well for me when I was able to be gelled and felt like I had this sense of community, felt like I belonged, felt like I can express who I truly was, even though they didn't let you have chin hair. Like, that was kind of OD. But <laughs> what? Than, Why yeah, chin they, hair? I don't know. They, like, made us shave our chin hair off. But I do remember that. Other than that, which was fine, right? Other than that, it was really really inclusive mm -hmm. and it was a great environment for for me to thrive and like I said this is all in hindsight like of course when you're experiencing this you're not just like calculating that like no, I wish our sure. minds could quantify yeah. this at an early <laughs> age but it doesn't work that way yeah no um so being able to you know look back on it you know it, it was something that really did change change my uh trajectory right because I I, I wasn't going to go uh, I wasn't going to be on scholarship and, and go have a chance to go to a, a, you know, Ivy League type of school from where, you know, from the private school that I was at, just because I wasn't able to really, you know, be my, 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 myself. And if you're not being yourself, you're not being optimal, right? Like we were all born with unique talents and gifts, and you can only tap into those gifts if you're able to truly be aware of who you are, right? And you can only truly be aware of who you are if you're able to express yourself be able to have that sense of belonging community and there's some form of relatability right that's how you can be your authentic self so I chose to go to Wake Forest on on a uh, a full ride because at the time Wake Forest was the number one business school and I was just like huh, I I want to change my life I don't I want to change my family's life um and I want to change the lives of others and I thought that business was the number way to do that right like you know we live in this society where you know you can get kind of down that rabbit hole of religion and you can feel like that can change the world and this that like I had the awareness at a young age to know corporate is at the top business is at the top there's nothing over business there's nothing <laughs> over corporate that can really instill change more than than that mm -hmm. right so chose to go to Wake Forest went there and while I was there I experienced the same thing that I experienced when I was in private school which was like, wow, you get to see a whole nother level of, of, yeah. <laughs> of privilege, right? <laughs> but, it, you know, it was like actually, a, you know, it was like three times the experience I, yeah. I experienced at the previous private school because, you know, I'm just looking in class. You got kids with Porsche keys and Benzes and Range Rovers. And I'm just like, wow, this is pretty crazy. I'll just remember walking on marble sidewalk shocked like <laughs> This is real life marble on a sidewalk. Yeah. Like, Were you prepared for that going in? Like, did you know kind of the reputation of Wake Forest? Uh, to a degree, I like the prestige. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I was literally trying to get away from where I came from so much mm -hmm. so that I chose to go there. Because I had offers from, like, USC, you know, Baylor, A&M, Iowa State, like, you know. Yeah. And it was one of those things where I was just like, I want to go where 
the people with money are at. And, you know, that was just a thought, right? Like, you know, you only get so much time when you're on a visit. You have like a day, day and a half, two days <laughs> tops to yeah. really get to experience it. And, you know, I didn't really know fully what I was getting myself into until I got there and was immersed myself into the culture. And when I did that, it was just like a, like, wow, this is a, a lot tougher than I thought to really, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, politic, if you will, because you need to have the, the professors on your team and on your side. You need to have coaches on your side. You need people to really, you know, believe in you, to have that sense of community and belonging and being able to really be yourself. You need other people to, to believe in you, essentially. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I, I struggled there. Right. And, you know. I haven't really told this this story. Uh, this tell us, yeah, yeah. I haven't told this story <laughs> too too much, um, and I struggled there. And um, going to to class, it was just like, wow. Like, if you weren't agreeing a hundred percent with the professor, like you were going to fail. So, as an entrepreneur, at heart, yeah. I'm contrarian to most <laughs> <laughs> beliefs or I would not be who, where I am today or who I am today if, yeah. I, if I wasn't contrarian to, to, to most beliefs, right? So, you know, when I would not necessarily challenge the professor, but just have a different viewpoint, I would get called out for this. I would, I would not do well on papers. I would not just, just do well in general because it was just like, hey, you're not going with what I'm saying. You're not going yeah, with the flow. For sure. One thing I will say that I learned in this experience was that that was the first place it really taught me how to manage my emotions. Mm. Because if I wasn't able to manage my emotions around these people, it's just like I'm already bigger than most people in class. I'm already bigger than my professors. It's like, no, yes, you, you, <laughs> she's just better to eye me. I mean, I know you work around NFL athletes, Marco. We get it. Okay. We get it. Okay. We you're above it. average height and built. I'll give yes, you that. Okay. I'll give you that. Yes. Truly. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it, it was intimidating, which, you know, I've sat down with a professor before and, you know, someone who, you know, have, you know, take the time to kind of pour into me a little bit and say, you know, you, you are intimidating to most. So, you know, you need to carry yourself accordingly. And, you know, that kind of stuck to stuck with me. And I'm just like, carry myself accordingly. Does that mean I can't be myself? Like, I can't, I have to like, dumb myself down or, or make myself little, so that other people can feel more comfortable? Or should they be adapting to diversity of, of size, height, looks, whatever? Thought. Thought. Thoughts, please. That's that's the <laughs> most important thing. Honestly, it's, yeah. it is about thought, right? So having experienced that there um, and, and have learned that, I collected that data. And one of the first things that I wanted to do when I got out of college, and I just skipped a huge part of my story, and maybe I'll share it at a later date or time. One of the first things I wanted to do when I when I left school was to really place people like myself, yourself, into these corporate spaces, right? And I didn't even know what that meant at the time. It was just like, how do I get people like me into these corporate spaces? Um, that way they can thrive. And how do I make them feel comfortable to go to these places so that they can thrive? And that's ironic because that's how kind of technically how we met. Yeah. Because if I if I didn't have that idea, um, I wouldn't have got connected with Noble mm -hmm. and, and Christiana um, at Dallas 
uh, Millennial Club, which is the club that you were also a part of, which yep. is how we met. I know several we kind of skipped ago. over that part at the beginning. Yeah, but yeah, we're talking we did, about it now. But we're talking about it now, <laughs> and that's that's how we met. So me wanting to do that, there was this organization called Dallas Millennial Club, which you know I got involved with because I wanted to find like-minded individuals, um, but also who thought differently at the same time. Like what I mean by like-minded, as in like, hey, you're you're authenticity is important. Belonging is important. You know, being connected to a purpose higher than yourself is important. Um, and that's what this group of individuals uh, uh, provided. Right. Yeah, so I was like a lot of young professionals looking to make change in the world. Exactly. Through impact. Yeah. Through impact. And I was like, hey, this is the perfect talent pool to really place into these corporate spaces. So that was my angle for kind of joining. Right. And then Working with, you know, an organization, I didn't even realize this is what recruiting was, right? I was just mm -hmm. like trying to find individuals and placing. And then once I was like, oh, this is the proposal for for recruiting. You're telling me if I could place this person, I would make north of $10,000 just for putting a person <laughs> into an organization? Sign me up. Let's do it, <laughs> right? So uh, that's, that's what I started to do. And... Um, what I learned from that experience, you know, started a recruiting company, started an LLC, you know, for this recruiting company. It was called ETA Bold at the time. Um, and or it was actually sorry, it was just called ETA. Right. We didn't add the bolt till later. So that'll come later. Um, it was called ETA, which was executive talent acquisition. And one of our selling points was like, hey, we have these cognitive diverse talent that really wants to impact the world. And they put service before themselves, right? Like they want to serve others. And that's part of like, you know, the mantra of Dallas Millennial Club was to, you know, serve others, right? And be mm -hmm. into the community and, you know, you know, serving homeless and serving, you know, underage youth, you know, there was STEM. We did all of those things to serve others, right? And this was something like I've said that my childhood, I was already passionate about. This is just who I was. And I was just like, hey, there's longevity in that. There was a ton of data behind, you know, I think HBR, Harvard done a study on this. There's a ton of data behind a person who does community service, not only at an organization, but just to the, or by themselves. They're going to have longevity with what they're doing. There's sustainability in serving others, right? Mm -hmm. Not only does it give you a sense of purpose, it just gives you fulfillment. So if you're fulfilled at your workplace, like, you're more than likely going to stay there. You're more than likely going to be retained. For sure. Right? Yep. So... That's what my angle was for placing these particular candidates into these organizations. Now, we had a little bit of early success, right? This was still kind of early to market, right? This was back in 2018, 20, yeah, 2018, we, 2019. Yeah, we met in 2018. Yeah, 2018, 2019. This was when I was, when I was doing this. And um, the problem that I faced and I saw uh, was I was essentially starting to focus on the margins, right? Mm. Like, I started being like, hey, Walter, I'm going to need you to stay at your organization, <laughs> brother. He's calling me. He's like, hey, man, I don't really feel like this organization, you know, really is, is, is inclusive. And I don't really see anybody that looks like me. And, you know, I'll be like, ah, that's rough, brother. That's rough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need you to stay because if anyone knows anything about recruiting, you know, when you place a candidate, you need them to stay a certain amount of days for then you to get paid. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I needed them to stay, you know, north of 45 days. Let's just say that. And then, you know, we I think we had some type of clause in there. It was like, hey, if this person leaves, we'll replace them for free, you know, for no, no pay. You know, you, yeah. don't, you don't have to pay us back. Right. Mm -hmm. So 
I was essentially losing money if someone was to leave. And I forgot that I set out to solve this problem of, of not only cognitive diversity, but really just finding a way to, for, for, for corporate to accept creatives, to accept, you know, your authentic self. Um, you know, I just had this vision of a person, you know, driving in their car, which is so crazy. I, I made this example before I seen Severance, right? There's a show called Severance okay. if you haven't seen it. Yep. But like you would drive your car into work and you would leave who you are in the car, right? Yeah. So it was almost like the, I don't know if you seen Severance, <laughs> <laughs> but they do the, like, if you're just listening, you're, I'm, I'm shaking my head and like looking up basically because that's me shaking out of who I actually am and then becoming this big corporate figure or small corporate figure mm. to just like, hey, take orders. I'm a robot. I will do what needs to be done to get these KPIs solved, right? So that's, that's what I saw. And, and the vision was like, hey, I honestly think from my personal experience, when I was able to be, uh, 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 when I had the sense of belonging and I was able to be my optimal, authentic self, I performed way better. For sure. And I was more engaged. Right. If I could be myself, I'm more engaged. I'm like, huh, mm -hmm. I feel better here. Like, what's what can I do to serve others now that I'm able to just be myself? Right. So taking a, a step back from recruiting was, was pretty tough because it was a pretty lucrative opportunity. And I was just like, wait, wait, wait. You know, I've had multiple candidates come to me about the opportunities at their organization. Mm -hmm. What's next? How do I take what I've learned from recruiting and do something to really solve the problem that I set out to solve, which was, again, just low engagement, low employee engagement, if you will. And we decided to do that, right? And I don't know if you remember our uh, uh, partnership with, with Microsoft and our cultural entrepreneurship yep. events. Yep, yep. Yes. So that's what we did, right? So I took a step back. And when you do that and you take these risks and you're trying to solve a problem, I think that the universe... God, you know, whatever you believe honors that risk and it allows you to then see what's next. Right. So that's what happened. Right. I took a step back, end up, you know, meeting with a colleague of mine who was working at Microsoft at the time. and was like, hey, I think there's an opportunity to do these events here. And I was just like, you know what? I think that's the next move because I've been trying to solve a problem externally the whole time when it was really an internal issue. Right. So you can't just throw people into an organization and just hope it changes. Like, hey, you're an all star. You're an all star. You're an all star. Go change the culture. It doesn't work that way, unfortunately. It does not. <laughs> According to my calculations. Right. And so, <laughs> yeah. And yours. So we have two right there where two or three or more. But um, yeah. So being able to to take that, that plunge and, and really work closely with Microsoft and, and host these community events. I mean, it, that's, that's when the light bulb started really going off because I was like, wow, we would have these panels where we'd have different talent from across the U S or just really within Dallas. We started with just Dallas first and, you know, we would have people come share their authentic stories. And through these authentic stories, we would see people glued to the speakers and they would learn so much. And this is the feedback that we would get from people and we would get from the employees there. It was like, wow, we've never seen anything like this because we would intentionally would find 
diverse talent to do these panels, right? And to do and to tell their stories. It wouldn't just be a group of white men. It wouldn't just be a group of black women. It wouldn't just be a group of Hispanics, whatever, right? Like we, we mm-hmm. diversified it intentionally because we wanted to hear different perspectives of different stories. And that really boosted the engagement, um, not of only of the, the organization we were working with, but of the community. And the community wanted to, they cared a little bit more about the cause. They cared a little bit more about serving others. So when we would have volunteer events, they showed up because they cared more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there was things that like happened, like deals would get done. You would meet other <laughs> entrepreneurs, you know, uh, uh, other entrepreneurs meeting another entrepreneur, you know, hey, yeah, well, let's, we'll invest into you. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I, there's no way to quantify the impact that we're having right no. now. And we were having such a major impact and there was no way to measure that. And we really wasn't getting a piece of that, 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 uh, um, you know, we really wasn't getting any monetary value from that. Right. But, you know, at the same time, I I think that it was very necessary for us to go through that experience because what that did was teach us so much about not only like who I was as an individual, but it taught us about the purpose and the the cause of what we were trying to solve. Mm -hmm. And it was so much bigger than just like, Hey, we got this KPI or, Hey, we're going to raise money for this or, Hey, you know, we're, we're, you know, we've reached this, this uh, uh, milestone, right? It was, it was like, how do we bring out the best in individuals and help them tap into their purpose and tap into who they are so that they can go out there and empower others, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we, we, you know, one of our, our, our DNA of the organization is, is uh, empower others to empower others, right? So like, that's who we started. Like, that's how we started. That's literally who we are. We wanted to empower panelists, right? Be like, mm-hmm. hey, get out there and you talk to this audience and you tell them who you are, <laughs> how you got from A to B to B to C to yeah. C to D, right? So doing this with, with Microsoft, there was a, a, a ton of, of success and an engagement. And like I said, there was, it was really hard to quantify. Mm-hmm. So there was a opportunity that I had as a former recruiter to reach out to a developer that I was formerly recruiting it sounded like a bar like recruiter <laughs> like man this is easy for me oh, um, gosh. so i reached out to to this gentleman named roman um who's a phd developer right and i'm like hey you know I, I like to go for the best like i'm not just gonna go find someone like i'm i'm going to the top that's why i wanted to go to wake that's why like that's just who i am i'm an mm-hmm. athlete and competitor at heart so for sure always want to win always want to go to the best anyways Reaching out to Roman was like, hey, this is what we're doing from an engagement level. Like, I know that we can create a tool that can really measure engagement and the impact that not only we're having, but like how people are feeling when this is ex- being experienced, right? Um, when these either these panels are being experienced, like how they're feeling while they're at their organization, like how do we create a, a tool that mm-hmm. can can really track this? So I started doing a ton of research. like. Yep. You know, I put in the work, I put in the hours. I met with um, neuroscientists on this. I, w- I met with, you know, behavior scientists on this. I met with, you know, psychology, ex- you name it, right? Mm-hmm. HR, global leaders, like people that really were smarter than me, right? And that's a lot of people. 
I'm just keep it, it 100 with you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you just have to say it is. Yes, it really is, right? And that's what you're supposed to. I mean, the, the best leaders do it, right? you got to surround yeah. yourself with smarter people than you, right? Absolutely. Like, you, you should you never be the, to, right? the smartest person. In the yeah, world. there's like, and that's like rarely happened, like me being the smartest. So, you know, reaching out to, to Roman, I was like, all right, how do we, what's the next steps? We just, we, we you know, I, I created the, this plan. He was like, hey, I'm in. And I'm like, Bet sign here. Let's do it. <laughs> so you know, we we set out to 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 create this uh, product, um, which we later on called the electric platform. But there was a lot of logic that went into how we tracked and measure engagement. So the things that you know I was experiencing growing up in hindsight that I mentioned from expression, authenticity, belonging, connection, relatability, all of those things are measured on the platform. And you're, you know, you may be listening at home thinking, wow, that's, that's just feelings. Like, wh- why is it important to measure feelings? Yeah, what does that mean? What does that really mean? Why are we measuring feelings? Those change, like, eh, like, they're just emotions. Like, we need to focus on performance. Well, newsflash, people's performance are predicated on how they feel. Right? For sure. That's not, like, that shouldn't be, like, rocket science, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, like, pretty simple. It's kind of counterintuitive if you think about it. It's like... Why haven't we been measuring feelings this, this whole time? Why are we only measuring performance? And I'll never forget working with an organization. Come back to the story. I got to share this story. Working with an organization and, you know, they just got done doing something really, really exciting, which was really pretty cool, right? Like they just helped bring FIFA here to, to, Dal- or to Dallas for 2026. So mm-hmm. um, that may narrow down the organization I was working with. But <laughs> there was a young lady in there who was just like, you know, I'm going through, you know, a presentation or a workshop, I should say. And, you know, we're, we're talking about some of the data that we've collected and just being like, hey, this is where we can improve. Da, 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 da. And she says, why do we have to measure feelings? Like, why don't we just focus on performance? Like, that's why we come to work. And I was like, Miss Lady, that is a great question. And I'm glad you asked it. And hopefully I can remember it, how I answered it. But essentially it, it, it went something like this. Well, about a couple of years ago, let's just say, you know, hypothetically five years ago. So like I said, it's, it's pretty counterintuitive, but it's like because we've been doing something for so long as as a uh, uh, the American experiment, people forget <laughs> this has only been around for 200 and like you oh, know, yeah. 50 plus years. Like that's it's not that long. Right. It's oh, not no, that we're long. Babies. Right. We're babies. We're still baby. Like people think that, oh, man, this is just how it has to be done. I'll never forget, you know, hearing um, I don't even know who said this, but anyone has said this. It, it could be it come from anyone. It doesn't matter. <laughs> there's always a better way. Like yeah. hearing that there's always a better way, I'm always looking for a new solution, right? So there's I'm never complacent, right? So that's just, you know, a sidebar. So, yeah, I'm going to stop there because I, I feel like I'm just <laughs> at this point just going and going. But this has been really, really fun. And it, it's really cool to kind of look back because there's sometimes, you know, I'm moving so fast and I don't even really really look back at some of the things that I've, I've done or just, you know, realize my own story um, yeah. and, and, and some of the caveats that, you know, have led me here, if you will. I know for me and what I'm doing now, there kind of came a point where I looked around and was like, this change needs to happen and nobody else is doing it. So I'm going to do it. Right. What moment was that for you? Was it those panels or was there a specific moment in time where you're like, oh, I'm just going to do this? I'm going to create the change that I want to see in the world. Mm. That's a great question. 
honestly, it, it had to be in high school. Like, my it had to be my senior year. Because, like, once I experienced that for myself, like I said, when I went to, to Duncanville and it was more of an inclusive environment and I really was able to relate because there's just different people from, you know, people who had money, people who didn't, you know, you've had a, just a good melting pot. Mm-hmm. That's when I was like, you know what? The world is a lot more diverse than we're we're portraying it to be, right? And I was like, let me do some more research into this, like, <laughs> you know, in, in, in college. And I started to see, wow, like, we're millennials. And, like, we took a lot of whiplash, and, or what's the word I should say? We took a lot of backlash for being a millennial. And, you know, we were told we were lazy, and we were told we were you know, just premature, we're irresponsible with money. Yeah. Definitely lazy is one they love to throw out. Yeah. Um, There's no longevity with millennials. <laughs> they don't stay anywhere. They just get up and leave. They're never happy. Like so on and so forth. Right. And I'm yeah. just like, I wonder why. I wonder why. Maybe it's because things, the way things have been done for so long, we're, we're not complacent with that anymore. Maybe we didn't really, you know, take our, our parents' advice, right? And one of the things that really opened my eyes to that was the myth of, hey, when you go to college, you can get the job you want and dream. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm rolling my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> you can get the, when you get your degree, you're going to get the job you want and dream of. And it would tell you just like that. And it would mm-hmm. just sound so enticing. You're like, sure. oh, my gosh, that's all I got to do? Great. And or hard work can take you anywhere. Like you're going to be successful <laughs> if you work hard. <laughs> and I'm laughing because it's like there's truth in that, but it's always like it's the truth in every joke. There so is. maybe it was a joke. <laughs> I don't think it was said as a joke, but now it's like funny because it's, it's funny. not true. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> and there's it's a really lot of caveats not. there. Yeah, there is. Like, and it's really not because I, you know, the, the first person I actually you know, went to, to, you know, share this idea with, um, for ETA was a a young lady by the name of Mallory and she Mm -hmm. went to Brown university. And like I said, I'm finding the best, I'm finding the best, right? So (laughs) I'm working with the best. So I went to her and I shared this idea and I was like, Hey, you're having a hard time finding a job. Mind you, you know, this woman is about five, seven, five, eight, whatever. She played soccer at Brown athletic build and Oh, let me not forget to mention that she was white, blonde hair, brunette. I, I don't really know. This like it's all the same to She's me. She's blonde. It's blonde. Yeah. Okay. She was blonde, <laughs> and then it would turn a little brown. A dirty blonde. A dirty blonde. That's what it's called. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> See, I got to get a little bit more cultured there. There you all go. Right. That's what I'm here for. There you go. Thank you so much. Um, so she was dirty blonde. You would be like, you would expect this person to have the job that you want and dream of. Like that's that's what I would expect, and to mm-hmm. see her facing that same problem that did help a little bit honestly like not to say hey misery loves company but to say (laughs) but to say hey it diversified my thought of thinking well if you're white you can go get the job that you want to dream of and I'm just I'm not getting it because I'm black right like Mm -hmm. no 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 like that's one thing that you know I've never leaned on um you know just another sidebar like having that attitude or mindset is not going to take you far I can tell you that right now thinking that because you're a certain color or you look a certain way doesn't really help either, right? Mm-hmm. So I used, I go into these particular situations from high school or uh, from college at least having that mindset to know it's like not just because I'm black, like this is just happening because this is just happening, mm-hmm. right? 
having that mindset really, really is, is, is going to take you the, the, you know, it's, it's going to be more sustainable to say the least, right? Like mm-hmm. you cannot have the, the latter. So going to her with this idea, it was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's figure out how we can place unique individuals into corporations that, you know, we can help cognitively, cognitively diversify the organization of, of, of just thought, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to get, I'm going to dive deeper, in, especially in this podcast on electric theory, because that's kind of the, the essence of this podcast. It's going to be about cognitive diversity. Like we're going to bring on people who have different thought processes, thinking differently, you know, from different backgrounds be, to really paint and color what the world is, is, is like and is supposed to be. That's just what I was born to do. I was born to create change. And I, I've always felt that. And I was just like, how, though? How? And if you stick around, we're going to really dive into how. I'm excited. I'm excited. This, like I said, this is episode 001. 001. And, like, I want to do a thousand of these. A thousand or more of these and really, like, touch as many lives and as, as possible. And really, like, pull back the layers of, of, of corporations and really, like, share insights into culture. Because... This is going to change. It's an, it was inevitable. Like I said, once I, I like as a millennial and mm-hmm. it was something I, I forgot to mention, I was like noticing that, huh, within a couple of years from now. But at the time I was like telling organizations in 2025, you know, that 70 percent or more of the workforce is going to be millennials. Like, let's not forget about that. For sure. And then let's not forget that millennials have the most buying power. And also, might I add, millennials are the most diverse generation to ever walk the face of the earth. And I better hear not anymore now Gen Z, but well now Gen Z now Gen Z, but at the time yeah. And I was gonna say I better hear a do doom or something, some sound effect <laughs> to like really, really focus in on like millennials and Generation Z and like how the world is changing because like it's moving faster and faster and faster. And I saw that and I was just like, corporate's moving so slow right now. It's moving so slow. Like maybe I can actually help, and maybe I can actually come into there and be like, yo, there's a better way to do things. There's a new way to do things. Obviously, I can't go in there and say, yo, I have to say, hey, I hope all is well. Right. Comma. But at not the- you code switching, <laughs> not <laughs> you not showing up authentically no, as no, no, yourself. This, see, look, that's the that's that's the catch. Like there 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 has to be some relatability. For right. Sure. Like so like I, I can still be authentic and still be professional. Right. Like I can still, you know, be myself and still be professional. And that's that's the that's not the trick, but that's. That's how you do it, right? Yeah. And like, that's what they are kind of afraid of. There's like no way you can be yourself and still be professional. Mm-hmm. Actually, there is a way, right? You know, I, I've, I've been able to, uh, you know, not to say I'm the, the, the most accomplished, but I've been able to accomplish all of this with a beard, shout out to Duncanville, uh, with earring dangling from my ear, uh, you know, with tattoos. These are things that were frowned upon five, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. There was no way that, you know, I could create an organization or a company um, a tech company at that looking this particular way and then walking into some of these really, really big corporations and, and speaking or or presenting a, 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 a idea or, you know, creating unique tailored solutions for the organ for this organization. Right. Like that wouldn't have happened. For sure. But I'm, I'm glad that things are changing. And, you know, we're trailblazers for that because, you know, if, if not us, who else? Right. Exactly. So that's that's how I feel. Really excited, like for the guests that we're gonna bring on here, because I know we're gonna tap into some really dope guests. Like I, I I didn't really want to be 
a, you know, everyday influencer and promoting all these different brands. Like it just wasn't me. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, all right, I did set out to go to change the world. So that means I really got to put myself out there. For sure. Like I can't just keep my head down and be in stealth forever. At some point I got to come out and really go to market and, and really say, Hey, these are my ideas. This is what I've learned so far. And I'm at the same time willing to learn. Like I'm going to forever be a student. Right. And I feel like by putting myself out there more, I'll be able to connect with not only, you know, sponsors. Hello. Um, <laughs> but to connect with other unique individuals that, you know, I can learn from. Right. Because yeah. that's how I was learning. And these panels, I was learning like I was sitting down listening to just like the other the, the panels that we would put together. You know, Gina and I shout out to Gina. She's an all star. She's definitely going to be on this show at some point. Um, you know, she's our culture and people director. But, you know, we'll put these events together. We would sit down and we would learn just as much as the, the mm -hmm. audience. Right. Yeah. So, like, like I said, I'm, I'm forever going to be a student. And like I said, I'm excited to learn and I couldn't be more, more thrilled. Like when you have, like I said, when you go out there and take a risk, things just happen. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's what I want to, you know, also leave with, with leave people with is like when you go take that risk, whatever risk you have, whatever that jump you're, you're thinking about, let this be your sign. This is your sign to go take it. You know. You're looking to leave your job and go somewhere. Put a note on a window or your your mirror and say, hey, this is the date that I want to particularly leave. Right. Like do something that really that you 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 have been thinking about doing and just do it. Because mm -hmm. I feel like that's where a lot of people fail. Like you get stuck in your head. And, you know, I've recently heard on another podcast was like action creates and empowers like clarity. And I'm like, huh, I feel so much clearer now that we're actually doing this. Like I feel more clear, honestly, yeah, truly. For sure. So, you know, cause I'm like, oh, what's, what's the next move? How do we go to market? Like what should we put out there? Just take action. Just do it. Like what's the worst that can happen? Like, honestly, that's how I feel. Like they're like, what's, what's the worst that can happen? Like we're trying to electrify the world. It sounds dangerous, but what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to electric theory, baby. <laughs> another good day we had another good day and if you line up enough good days fuck around have a good life